Well, listen, um, this is week two of a new series that we began last week entitled Come to Me. Now, again, this series is somewhat old because we did it about four years ago, but I felt it was appropriate to bring it back at this particular time because uh, sometimes we can get a little bit off track. And, you know, I think the simplicity of the word of God gets lost sometimes. We've done an incredible job of complicating something very simple. Y'all know what I'm saying? Just really complicating something simple. You know, recently my wife and I changed carriers for our uh, internet and all those kinds of things. And these folks offered to send me the packet that I could make the transition myself. And the man on the phone just made it sound like it was so easy to do. So I told him, cool, yeah, send it. And um, so after about 20 minutes into this thing, he made it sound easy, but it was truly complicated. Most of the time in church, we take something that is really simple and we make it complicated for people instead of make it easy. Well, I eventually had to call the company. They came out and did it for me. But in this particular case, what we're talking about today is the word of God. Now, I just need you to take a walk with me to make sure that we understand this. God created mankind on earth. He created the earth in a seven-day period, actually a six-day period, and then he placed us in it. He did this because he wanted to extend his kingdom from heaven into the earth, right? Pretty simple. Now, part of that process was the fact that he loves us. He created us, so he loves us. Now, what he wants to make sure that we know who he is, how much he loves us, and how long he will love us for. Fairly simple stuff, right? Well, sometimes we complicate these things with a bunch of 14-letter words and 17-letter words and denominational views and factors. And after a while, we almost don't understand why the heck we are here and how did we get here and all of those kinds of things when it was a pretty simple Thing The Bible explains it very simply. Here's the real deal. Are you ready? We got separated from God because of what Adam and Eve did. Jesus came into the earth. He took on flesh. He became a man so we could understand who we were and then how to be reconciled to God. Then Jesus says very plainly, come to me. Why? Because he is the gate. He is the door. He is the gate to what? You go through a gate, it opens up into something. He is the gate to our reconciliation to God. He is the gate to our justification. He is the gate to our redemption. So we come to him. The reason for this sermon is sometimes all kind of stuff gets placed before the gate. Stuff gets added to the gate. So now we have all kinds of sometimes de denominational views that say, you know, Jesus plus this. Or Jesus plus that gets you this. Or, you know, yeah, you can accept Jesus, but all of those kinds of things. And now we have this, this kind of quandary for people who are somewhat confused. One more quick example. A lady came to a church that I was pastoring out in California. And she asked me this question. She said, I got baptized a long time ago, but they baptized me in the name of Jesus. She said, I talked to a pastor the other day and he said that baptism didn't work, didn't apply. 
because you have to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So I sat there that day, and I thought about how much man has interjected himself in the place of God, in the place of Jesus. So let's just take a little walk mentally. It's, you know, you get to heaven, and you're standing there, and, and you know, you know the whole story, somebody's at the gate with the book and all that kind of stuff, and they go to you, have you been baptized? And you go, yes. Would they say, who were you baptized in the name of Jesus or the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? You say, I was baptized in the name of Jesus. And they would say, sorry, you can't come in. See, again, here's what I need you to know. God is greater than us. His peace surpasses our understanding. If his peace surpasses our understanding, guess what his knowledge does? Guess what his acceptance does? So what I would like to say is let's quit trying to be him. Let's learn how to be us. Let's learn how to be the church that we were called to be, to be the body of Christ and do what we've been called to do and leave God's part to God. We do our part. Does that make sense to anybody today? So let's just talk about this. Uh, uh, come to me. Come to me is the simplicity. It's the, the actual thing that we're supposed to do. So let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And let's see what Jesus says about this particular thing. This particular verse is going to be in the Amplified Translation. So are y'all ready to have some fun this morning? I know I am. <laughs> I pray God you are too. Matthew chapter 11. And it reads as follows. It says, all things have been handed over to me by my father. All things. And no one, everybody say no one, no one fully knows and accurately understands the son except the father. Wait a minute. He just told us no one, no one knows and accurately understands the son except the father. And no one fully knows and accurately understands the father except the son. So what we have here is a twofold. One, it shows the intimacy of the father and the son. That they are so close to each other that no one else knows them better than they know each other. Intimacy. Second, as much as we think we know how to accurately describe or accurately understand exactly who the son is and the father are, we are still limited in our understanding. Is anybody still with me this morning? So it says, and accurately understands the father except the son and anyone to whom the son deliberately wills to reveal him. Next verse says, come to me. Now, Jesus is saying, me and the father are one. You'll never really understand him because we understand each other. But if you come to me, I'll let you in on this intimacy. Oh, I hope y'all are understanding me today. If you come to me, I'll let you be a part of this intimacy. See, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become a child of God. Jesus is the firstborn son. We come in line as children of God. Are are y'all with me this morning? Now, what does that mean? And that means that as he continues to reveal himself, as he continues to show us who he is, our understanding grows, but it'll never be absolutely perfect because God is greater than we can ever imagine. But we get to be a part of this intimacy. What are we doing? Come to him. 
Come to me. Let's finish reading. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. See, these religious rituals began to take place of the relationship. How do we know this? The the Jews, the Pharisees, had came up with all of these rules and regulations that they said you had to follow to have a relationship with God. So then these religious rituals became more important than your relationship. As a matter of fact, they blurred your relationship so greatly that you got bogged down in the ritual. I remember reading this one time that as a, as, as a Pharisee would drink from a cup, he would take a sip and then he would have a cloth that he would wipe where his lips laid at because he needed to be clean again. And then he'd take another sip. Now this became a ritual. And this ritual took on a life of its own that when people seen him drink and wipe his cup, they thought, He was being religious. They thought he was being holy. They thought he was being pious. I sure hope you all understand me today. And that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. I don't know about you. I was in the army. I had a canteen cup that didn't get washed for about six, seven weeks. Yeah, that's right. And there's a a bunch of soldiers I know that can testify to that. I had a thing they call a spork. It's a cross between a spoon and a fork. That didn't get clean. I, I, this is how I would clean it. Put it in my mouth and then put it back in my pocket. For weeks. For weeks. Did God stop loving me because I didn't clean my canteen cup? Did he stop loving me because I didn't clean my spork? Are y'all hearing me today? But if we don't watch ourselves, we get caught up in these views and we put these religious rituals in the way of coming to Jesus. And we give these things importance where they really didn't need to be important. Is this making sense to you today? We'll come back to this. It says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. And I, I, the one you come to, will give you what? Rest. Refreshing your souls with salvation. (laughs) Souls meaning your thinking process. Your emotions. He's going to refresh you with the concept of the true meaning of salvation, meaning that you are saved from these rituals. It is Jesus and him alone that redeems you. It is Jesus and him alone that reconciles you. It is Jesus and him alone that justifies you. Once you get that, All of these religious rituals that were holding you bound, that you had to practice this and practice that, are now over. And I had some friends that were Muslims and growing up, and I would watch them when they prayed. And I watched them have to do these particular things, these rituals, before they could pray. They had to wash their arms and in the right order, the left one first, uh, and then the right one. And they had to wash their ears in a certain fashion and, and then their hair and do all of those things in a certain fashion. And if it wasn't done correctly, this prayer was nullified. And then the prayer itself had five times a day they would pray and there were certain positions and words that were said for each prayer. And again, it's a beautiful set of discipline, but it's a ritual. Is God impressed? With five prayers a day, is God impressed with people that love his son? 
In Hebrews, it says it is impossible without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not without rituals, but without faith, faith in what faith in the son that he sent. Are y'all still with me this morning? Okay. It says, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Following me as my disciple. So our charge is to follow Jesus as his disciple. Now, we know the success that happened with the disciples in Acts. When we read the story, these disciples who followed Jesus, we understand they changed the world. We're here today because they followed Jesus and not the rituals. So what we need to do today is make sure that we don't develop rituals that replace Jesus and then put those things out there to people as though if you practice this, this is how you get to God. And I need you to know we need to stop because we are doing these particular things. How do I know? We have 5,000 different denominations in the United States of America. And every one of them is based on some kind of ritual that is different than someone else's. And I need you to know something. God is omnipresent and omnipotent. That means he never sleeps, he never slumbers, and he has total, complete power. God knows our hearts more than he knows our lips. I hope you understand me today. So it doesn't matter what you say. What matters is what's really in you. God knows that. And guess what? He accepts that. So the rituals, no, no, don't make them so important that you have to attach that ritual to Christ to make you think that you now in with God because that is wrong. Let me finish. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me following me as my disciple for I am gentle and humble in heart. So if we're his disciple, we should be gentle and humble in heart and you in capital letters, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed quietness for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. So following Jesus changes all of these weights that we have to carry, all of these things that we may possibly have to remember, all of these things that we think we have to do to make our relationship to God thorough and complete. How about if Pastor Ben just told you today, All you got to do is believe, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, will your life change? Of course it will. But this is how it works. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved. Now, from the position of being saved or being in salvation, you now understand that you can go boldly into the throne room of God. You change your life. You change how you live. You change the things that you do. Why? Because those other things don't fit you anymore. That's why your life changes. But to try to do this with rituals doesn't work. It just doesn't. Brother said the other day, I haven't missed church in 23 years. Yeah, you missed church. Yeah, you did. Because church ain't the building down on the corner of walk and don't walk. Church is you and you miss you. You miss the whole fact of being with people 
You've missed it. You may have been there physically, but you weren't there spiritually. And because you didn't miss, does that mean you're closer to God than someone else who may have missed? Are are y'all understanding me how we can make things unimportant important? Let's go to another a little paragraph and then we'll go to another verse. It says our organization should enhance our relationship with Christ, not replace it. And the reason I put that in there is because I know there's some organizations that have, they require a stronger allegiance to the organization than they do to Christ. Well, I need you to understand this today because they don't put up a sign that says, you know, we require stronger allegiance to our organization, but they just fill it in there nice and slow. Before long, if you don't look at Jesus the way they filter him, then that organization will get rid of you. So that means that organization has replaced Christ in your life. I talked to a... I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again because I think it's appropriate. Talked to a group of men the other day and um, and I told them they knew more about their denominational founder than they did about Jesus. They knew when their denominational founder was born, how long he lived, when he moved from this city to that city. They knew everything about him than they did about Jesus. Their founder is not the gate. Jesus is the gate. Their founder is not the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. Are y'all following me? So by following their denominational view, that organization began to put itself in the position that it kind of replaced Christ in their life because they're going to tell these people, this is how you respond to Jesus. This is how you look at Jesus. And that is wrong. It's wrong. Is God Big enough to know who loves him and who doesn't. Does he have to make a choice based on what we say? Or does he make a choice based on what we do? Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth and your life speak. Are are y'all hearing me today? Let's go to another verse. I pray God this is beneficial to you. Let's go to Ephesians chapter four. Again, we're talking about how an organization can sometimes take the place. Or let me just put it down this way. A denomination can sometimes flood or muddy the water that allows you to see come to me. Allows you to see just Jesus and how powerful that relationship is. Ephesians chapter four, starting with verse number 11. He says, and his gifts to the church, church meaning the body, were varied. And he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people. Some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation. And some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service. I'm going to stop there for a second. We have these gifts to perfect us for works of service. Works of 
service. Service doesn't mean in this particular scripture when we come together. Did you go to the service today? No, that's not what it means in this particular context. For works of service means these gifts are to be shared with people outside of this building. See, it's, it's, it's not powerful for you to come to me and tell me that you're a prophet. I don't need you to tell me that. What would be powerful if you went out as a prophet and acted like one in society without having a card with that information on it. I don't need you to share with me a card that says you're an evangelist. If you're out there doing what, is, what an evangelist is supposed to do, I get that. I don't even have to label it. Just go be it for the works of the service. Are y'all hearing me today? Are you sure? See, because sometimes this stuff can get in the way of the relationship of come to me. Let me read on. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people for works of service, to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. So all of this stuff is not about identifying us. This stuff is about gifts that were given to us so we can go and manifest Jesus to the world. Now, you know, the scripture is telling you the truth and you also know the truth of what's really happening. We got more people running around with cards you know, I'm prophet, apostle, evangelist, Joseph. I'm, you know, I'm such, such, such. Well, cool, man. Or we got all this stuff going on and I don't believe in this. And this denomination doesn't believe in that. And this denomination doesn't believe in that. And all this stuff has just confused. The, the reason we have these gifts is that it brings us into Unity. Unity. How can we have unity when we fight violently to separate one from another over stuff that is really unimportant? Oh, Pastor Ben, no, you know that's not right. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a prophet. I'm, I'm cool with that. You can call yourself whatever you want. All right? But if you ain't out there being what you say you are, then what good is that? You know, I have a very close relationship with the people who pick up my garbage. I don't call them garbage people. I call them servants of the neighborhood. Love these folks. Make sure I give them gifts all the time. My, my wife and I make sure they have water. Whatever they may need, we take care of those folks because they're great human beings who are doing a great service to our community. Listen, <laughs> we take care of those folks. And you know, because we take care of them, they stop at our house. They get out of the truck. They come and talk and we, we conversate. We, we do these things. Why? Because they know we love them. They know we have a respect for them. This is what the church is supposed to be doing. I, I don't call myself pastor. My first name is Ben. But I am a pastor, so a pastor and a teacher. So my job is to instruct and that's what I do. But I don't run around. Hollering, I don't tell the, the people that come to my house after they pick up the trash, hey, I'm Pastor Ben. Thanks for picking up Pastor Ben trash. We're supposed to have these gifts 
for the works of service to live on, folks. The thing that gets camouflaged, we're supposed to come to Jesus. If we come to Jesus and we understand the power of our salvation, that frees us. That takes the heavy weight off of us to have this light burden that we can go to society freely and share with people. Let's read on. It says, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea. And carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. What a big word. What a big word. Man, I tell you, I've heard so much stuff makes me choke. Doctrine. 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 You know that's theologically incorrect. You know that translation is theologically incorrect. I mean, all of that stuff. Listen to me. Is God God? Yes. Why does he love you? Does he love you because you're intelligent? Does he love you because you practice rituals? Or does he love you because you accepted his gift, which is his son, and you have been reconciled to him? Does he love you? Yes. And that's it. For it is by grace that you have been saved, not by yourself, not of yourself, but by grace you have been saved. For us to understand that, what what is this grace? Grace is a person. That's Jesus. So by Jesus' sacrifice, we accept him. We're saved. God loves us because we love his son. That's it. No more, no, nothing to add to that. But then we pick up these gifts. We get gifted with these things and then we use them for the work of service to go into society and then get people to see Jesus through us. We are to manifest Christ. Most of us want to manifest ourselves. You want people to look at you. You don't have a heaven or a hell to send people to. So it's not about us. It's about him and always will be. We're almost done. It says, by the cunning and unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. We know this to be true, right? Man, people have taken this thing and they get into this to be rich because they see mega churches and mega pastors and mega this and mega that and they see money and airplanes and jets and all that kind of stuff and you know i want that so what do they do they try to sell their souls to get money so tell me this did god go somewhere and go to sleep no does god know exactly what's happening and who is who Yes, he does. Amen. But speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing what? His truth. Let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, the church in all its various four parts joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies when each part is working properly causes the body to grow and mature building itself up in 
unselfish love. I don't know about you. When you come to Jesus, these things become attainable. See, because you don't fight against your brother. You don't have anything to prove against your brother. You don't have to try to prove you know more than your brother. You're smarter than your brother. You are closer to God than your brother. When you understand your salvation, you know that the playing field has been leveled by Jesus. It's not a competition among Christians. We are here to support each other, to uplift each other, to move each other forward for the reason of manifesting Christ in the world. So I'm going to tell you something that's very, very important. Until the body of Christ comes together, the world will never accept us. Until the body of Christ comes together, these next couple generations of kids that we have coming up in this church are going to leave because we are like fighting parents. We are like mommy and daddy fighting each other all the time and they're tired of it. They watch and they see because they go to churches and they come home and they see this, 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 this division that is so unnecessary. It's not about us. It's about us manifesting Christ in the world. So when we come to him and really come to him and understand our salvation, it takes the burden away. I don't need to elevate Ben. It doesn't matter how you feel about Ben. What I know is how God feels about me. So I am free. My burden is light. I'm allowed to go into the world and manifest Christ. That's why it's important when it says, come to me. Now, here's the part that scares a whole bunch of folks. A lot of people have spent a lot of time getting a bunch of three-letter definitions in front of their name or at the back of their name. (laughs) And they think that somebody else is going to get a shortcut into the arms of God. Bible gives us all kind of parables about this kind of thing. Here's what I need you to know. If you studied to make it clear and easy for people to understand who Christ is, then I applaud you. But if you studied so people can see you, then I'm sorry for you. Let's break this thing down. Let's come to Jesus. And guess what? Whoever comes to him gets the same thing. Somebody say amen. Real quick. We're going to go to Timothy and I think I might close after this one. We'll see. First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two. This is the message translation. So let me verify. The message translation is actually not a translation. It is a paraphrase. A lot of people want to, you know, kind of fight that battle. But here's what's important to me. I was helping out this young lady the other day who only speaks Spanish. So she was in my office and she spoke Spanish and I speak very, very little Spanish. So the conversation was struggling. Everything she said, she meant she was telling me the absolute truth. But because I didn't understand it, I couldn't do anything with it. So a third party comes in who knows both English and Spanish and became an interpreter for me. So whatever the lady was saying to me, the interpreter interpreted it so I can understand it. Therefore, I received the message. Now, could I stand there and tell the interpreter, your translation is faulty? (laughs) I don't know Spanish. I don't. But 
I understood what this woman was trying to tell me based on what the interpreter said. And then when I told the interpreter, tell her this, she understood her lies, her eyes lit up. Are y'all understanding me? As long as this thing allows me to see Jesus, I'm okay. See, because going to Jesus, coming to Jesus can't go wrong. I am safe in the arms of my Jesus. Now, if somebody was interpreting something, tell me that I had to worship the devil before I went to Christ, then come on, man. I, no, I'm not doing that. Or, or, does anybody understand me today? Let me just read this. First Timothy chapter two, verse seven. This is message. He says, he wants not only us, but everyone saved. You know, sometimes these verses just blow me away. How many of us actually want everyone saved? Or are we the people who actually need people that we can always point to? (laughs) That we need people we can always say those people are crazy. Those people are nuts. Those we want everybody saved. Everybody. So everybody is a potential Christian. I don't care how crazy they are right now. They're all potential Christians. He wants not only us, but everyone saved. You know, everyone to get to know the truth we've learned. That's, that's their one, that there's one God and only one and one priest mediator between God and us. Jesus, who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin to set them all free. The news is going to get out. This and this only has been my appointed work. Getting this news to those who have never heard of God. And explaining how it works by simple faith (laughs) and plain truth. How does it work? Simple faith and plain truth. So come to me is what he says. So what happens when you come to Jesus? You get saved. How long are you saved for? Yeah, forever. Well, can't you lose your salvation? I don't think so, but we can have that discussion another day. But here's the kicker. Why would you think about the possibility of losing your salvation when the introduction of being received by Christ has been offered to you? It's like your spouse telling you on the wedding day I do and the first thing that comes to your mind is I know you won't I know pretty soon you won't that didn't hopefully that didn't come to your mind on your wedding day you should have accepted the I do and then went towards living to produce more I do's and I do's and I do's but if the first thing came to your mind is yeah I bet you you say I do today but tomorrow you're gonna say I won't Let's stop doing that. Come to Jesus. I said, come to Jesus. 
Come to Jesus just as you are. Come to Jesus, man. And don't put anything in the way of that. Come to him. Let him change you from the inside out. And he will allow you to go forward and serve people. But you'll be free. The weight will come off of you. You know, next week we're going to talk a little bit about Matthew chapter 23. But I'm just going to give you a real quick insight. Matthew chapter 23 is probably the one of the most scaling <laughs> descriptions that Jesus ever delivered to people. And in there, he talked about how people will actually block the way to come to him with all kinds of things and behaviors and rituals and myths. It's wrong to do that. So what is Pastor Ben telling you today? I need you to think about something. When you accepted Jesus, did your burden become light? What was it like when you knew? When you finally realized. God loves me. What was that like for you? To finally realize all the things that I've ever tried to do to get him to love me didn't work. And now I stand here totally and completely loved by God because I have faith in the sacrifice that he sent for me. I have faith in Jesus. So I actually came to Jesus. And he was the gate. He was the door. He is the bread of life. He is all those things. And if I eat of that, I will never hunger nor thirst ever again. So it's not Jesus plus something. It is come to Jesus. Simple. Now, we'll have to think about all these other traditions that we have put in place that we think verify our relationship with Christ. And I need you to know, nothing does except for your faith in him. I pray God this has been helpful to you today. There's so much in this series that we need to discuss and talk about. And I know there's some folks that, whoo-wee, are up in arms right now, but that's okay. I'm not here looking for a fight. I'm here trying to clear the road so we can accept Jesus, that we can unify, and that we can go into the world and manifest Jesus. You know, right now they say that our country or this area is the most divided that it's ever been. Divided and unity. Divided and unified. Divided and unified. They're the opposite of each other. So if it's the most divided that it's ever been, and us coming together as one in Christ provides unity, then what's missing in this equation? Us, the one body that should be unified, then brings this unity into the place where it is divided. Light chases away darkness every single time but what are we doing we are fighting for the good of division 
We are fight. We're drawing lines in the sand on points of division. I'm going to close with this one. This is the most fun. Conservative versus liberal. Both grammatically incorrect. A conservative Christian is a double adjective. A liberal Christian is a double adjective. And I don't know where you went to school. We weren't allowed to use double adjectives. You couldn't use an adjective to modify an adjective. You usually get an F on your test paper. But we'll fight. I mean, we will fight to divide these two entities when we should be fighting to try to find common ground because it's not about being a conservative. It's not about being a liberal. It's about putting Christ, manifesting him in society because you cannot put any of those terms on him. You cannot dress him in conservative garb and you can't dress him in liberal garb. You have to let Christ be Christ because that's the Christ that saved you. And that's the Christ that people need. So let's quit fighting this division, man, and figure out a way to make this thing work. Because the people need to see unity. At what cost, Pastor? Well, I'm going to have to give up. There's a bunch of stuff you're holding on to you should have gave up a long time ago anyway. So let's have a prayerful week this week. And let's talk about these things. And next week, we'll continue with Come to Me for another segment. I pray, God, this has been beneficial to you. I'm looking forward to serving you again next week. I'm excited about that. Um, If you need to talk to me, you know where to find me. (laughs) God bless you. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Have a great day.